Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time, 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Scripture at the same time. It's kind of nice, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is extra nice. <laughs> um, it's like all these people all around the world mm. in all these different languages. Yeah, fully. You know, and all these different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And they're all being blessed by the same book, the same Bible, the same Word of God. At the same time. At the same time uh-huh. with the same passages. It's just awesome. And the great thing is that by joining us here on Faith FM, 87.6, 818 or 88, you get to be a part of it. Yeah, that's You are right. a part of the movement, Bible study movement. And we just want to say we love it when you text in yeah. or call in uh, with your ideas and, and the things that you'd like to share. So, yeah, just just. Or your question of the day, if you've got a question of the day that you'd like us to address. Yes. We love getting your questions of the day and then um, sometimes our head spins a little bit and sometimes <laughs> we've got to do a bit of a, a last-minute scramble like, oh, I've not seen that question before. Uh, we've had some doozies come in. The afternoon shows have been getting some great questions as Aye. well. Some really good ones coming through oh, cool. in the afternoon shows. So, um, yeah, if you've been missing those, then you have been missing out. There. Like what, Wednesday, Thursday we have afternoon shows, yes, out of this office right here. So uh, definitely be a part of those shows. Um, yeah, good questions coming through there, but we just we, we love to hear from you guys. And don't forget to uh, download the app as well because you can uh, get in contact with us there as well on the app. And don't forget to save the phone numbers in your phone mm-hmm. because we do say them too fast <laughs> as we are. Even when we try slow down. <laughs> even when we try and slow down. 1-800-324-843. Or text 0491 064 669. It feels so slow, doesn't it? It does. It does. It feels so slow. It's good for listening, but for saying, you're like, oh. Okay, so I've got a text message came through. Let me just see if I can find this one real quick. Where was it? Um, I think I might be missing the point of this one. Okay. Uh, What's it telling us? But... It's, it's, it's kind of building on the keys theme, Minnie. Okay. I think. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. And on the, on the text we had about, you know, it's only when you lose both well, that yeah. life, life, life gets difficult. Uh-huh. Uh, so we now have this text message I think is building on that theme, one of the biggest parenting tips I give to parents to work on your marriage. Okay. Isn't this about? Have, have two sets of keys. Oh. <laughs> Don't ever blame your partner. Don't you ever blame Always your partner for your missing set of keys. I think I think that might have something to do with it. Look, that's fair. <laughs> and 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 Minnie, whenever the you know the, the time comes or whatever, um, it's always good to have that spare key hanging off a piece of wire somewhere up underneath your vehicle. Yeah. So that uh, when your partner calls or you call your partner and say, "I've locked my keys in my car," they can say, "Go here." You will find you a spare key. It. Look, I don't think that situation is ever going to eventuate. Yeah, I may, okay. have, I may have, I may have, um, I may have misinterpreted this right here. That's right. Uh, because the, 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 I've got some, I can see a little speech bubble coming up underneath this text message. But you know what? It's not a bad idea. Do you want to hear the worst time when I used to lose my keys? So when, <laughs> so when I used to, I just finished high school. My first full time job was working in a nursing home, which I loved, and I had early starts. Like I had to be gone by about six, which was fine. And luckily at the time, my car now, it will self-lock. If the keys okay, so nearby, have, it'll, oh, No, I was just going to say, yeah, so the key, the car I have now, it will self-lock if the keys are too close. My old car didn't do that, which was fantastic because I was living with my dad. So I'd lived with my mum, finished high school, I'm like, okay, I'll move with my dad for a while. 
And there were so many days I was like, Dad, my keys are gone. You know where they were? In the ignition, out the front, <laughs> with the windows down, multiple days. <laughs> See, I grew up in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Oh, you and back did then, that? Back then, mm-hmm. back in the day, you never took your keys out of the ignition. Interesting. Ever. I only ever remember taking the keys out of the ignition once. What a different and I lost world. Them. I lost them. And I'm like, <laughs> note to self. Keep them in the ignition. Don't ever take the keys out of the ignition. <laughs> That's and amazing. then I moved to America and had to learn this whole thing of putting your keys in your pocket. And okay, locking so the, the car. So, yeah. so, so, the, so we've got a, a few clarifications <laughs> oh, here. Oh, okay. We, we have misinterpreted the text. Okay. Uh, the first one was when you lose your phone or your keys, you can use one to call the other. That's nifty. When you lose both your phone and your keys, it's a disaster. <laughs> it's a so there's the disaster. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. The second one was in relationship to the interview with Neil Thompson. But yes. Both issues can be related. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I say this from experience. I say this from experience. It's super frustrating to lose your keys mm-hmm. and it's easy to let that frustration out on your spouse mm. or partner. Yeah. It's a frustration you can live with. It. And often what you find in relationships is it's these little things mm. that just create sand under your skin and it's just, you know, that's actually what a lot of friends have said to me. They're yep. like, the, the fights are not about the big things. Very, very yep. rare that fights are about big things. Yeah. I was listening to a thing just recently. It was a couple who, um, it's like, um, like they're from different cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. and they were just, you know, being interviewed and, hey, you know, what are the challenges? And, and they both said the biggest struggle has never been culture. Like Absolutely. people look at it all. Oh, my, my wife you know, comes from a very different culture than me. Yeah, but no, it's not. It's not. just the life human things. You see, I think that we give each other slack for the big things mm. because that's expected. Mm, interesting. But when you can't get the little things together, it's like, why can't you do this little <laughs> thing right here? That's where it gets under your skin. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, this is my theory. We'll have to ask Neil whether that's a real thing or not. But it's my theory. Uh-huh, I, th- uh-huh. I think it, so- it sounds good. It's a good theory. You went with confidence. Yep. Seems reasonable. Sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. All right. Okay, we're up to date on text. Let's go to our first passage of today's Bible study. First John chapter three, verse sixteen. Oh, I like First John. Me great, too. This was the book. very first book of the Bible I ever read when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Really? Yes. That's cool. Uh, somebody directed me in the direction of First John, uh-huh. and so I didn't actually just read it; I studied it. Oh, okay, yeah. So they said, "Okay, go read First John and do a say not do Bible study." A what? Say not do. Okay. I don't so know. So you read a verse. Uh huh. And then you journal. So you write down, what does the verse say? This is what the verse says. Ooh. Then you reduce it to a nutshell. What is the verse in a nutshell? Say not. Not do. Right? So this is what the verse says in a nutshell. So you summarize the verse mm-hmm. into as few words as you can possibly write it. Yeah. And then you say, what does this verse tell me to do? And you write that down. That's amazing. It's, it's the only Bible I've, book of the Bible that I've ever studied using that method. I've got to try this. Uh, and I have never for, I was 15 years old at the time. Mm. I have never forgotten it. Wow. Say not do. That's awesome. Somewhere that journal probably got chucked out. <laughs> it <laughs> no! might still exist. I don't know. Uh, okay, so 1 John 3. Three, hey, chapter three. Is that what you said? Okay, uh, yes, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen to eighteen. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so, so John three sixteen, but not. not. 
First John 3.16. So we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show you the truth by our actions. Oh, that's the one. Yep. Do you say verse 19 or just to 18? Oh, you can read as far as you want. Oh, that it's just, okay, so verse 19. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. This, I love First John. Okay, so let me tell you something else about First John. Yeah, tell me. The first chapter of the Bible that I ever memorised was First John chapter 3. Hey, do you remember this one? Nah, but it kind of comes back. I mean, hey, when you read it in that translation, it's like, what on earth kind of a translation is that? <laughs> this is Minnie over here with her all of her dodginess coming through. Oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hereby, pers- hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yes. So we ought, also, we, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth. See, I don't usually read the KJP like that. Yeah, I was going to say that makes it hard to understand. I usually read it, but who has, but whoever has this world's good and sees his brother having need and shuts up his compassion from him, how does the love of God live in him? That's how I'd read it, but mm. it actually reads, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a different science reading. Your brain actually has to think differently when you're reading that, I feel. It you'd, does, it does. Just... I think that's why it makes it easier to memorise. Oh, yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. actually been proven. This is the ease, the uh, the uh, Shakespearean language is actually yeah. easier to memorise when you're memorising. Yeah. Uh, but this passage is so incredible. All right. I don't know what your point of like where we're going next is because I forgot to read this one. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, just confession. But... Oh, this makes me sad because it's so easy to be like, yeah, we love people. Easy peasy. No, it's not. Loving is so difficult. And the fact that like Jesus himself is just like everything I've done, I've done through like the power of my father. Jesus had to consistently go back to like his father to do any of the things he did. Now, yes, I believe maybe he did just have a naturally nice spirit. No, no, no. But I actually think it's the Holy Spirit in him. So if Jesus knew that he had to rely on something bigger than himself, and he was God, choosing to be human, then why? Like, how dare I or how dare we think that, yeah, of course we can love people easily. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I both am encouraged and totally rebuked by these passages. Yep. It is uh, very, very practical. Yes. It's fantastic. What I love about John is his language is so simple, and I probably said this Mm -hmm. before, but the guy was a fisherman, you know, he was a fisherman yeah. and he, he came in contact with Jesus as a young man. He was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, we talked about you know Peter and John yesterday, how the, these guys were you know, in their late teens when they came to Jesus and became disciples and became missionaries. Mm. So these were very, very young guys. And uh, he's writing this towards, you know, towards the end of his life. Mm. He's much later on in life. He hasn't gone all deep and theological. No. This is, this is not the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one, one of the things I love about the Bible, of course, is there's a, a book there for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is not the book of Hebrews, not the book of Romans. Mm. This is First John. Yeah. 
And first John, it's just like, let me see how simply I can state this. Okay, now that I've stated it simply, let me simplify it again Again. and then write it down. Uh And that's kind of where John comes from. Yeah. And so, you know, this is how we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. This is how we understand God's love. He died for us. That's that's where we see yeah, it. If you're wondering, if you're wondering if he really did love us, we have a nice clear picture. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. And see, that's the hard part. <laughs> we okay, go, so yes, that's we know love. That we've been loved. <laughs> we all say, "Oh, we're Christians. We love." Mm-hmm. That's what Christians do, mm-hmm. right? Are you prepared to do this? Mm-hmm. Because that was what Jesus was prepared to do. Yeah. And this is what John was prepared to do as well. They threw him in a pot of boiling oil. Oh, so unpleasant. And that was how they planned to execute him. That was the method of execution. I think it was in the city of Ephesus, if my memory serves me correctly. And that was the method of execution they chose for him. But he didn't die. But he didn't die. So they sent him to Patmos in exile. You know, it's a little bit like, okay, when somebody survives that, Um, you can't really deny that something supernatural has taken place. And if you're a pagan, do you really want to upset a god that is that powerful? Mess with that god. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, no, you don't want to do that. So um, he gets sent off to Patmos, which I always used to feel really bad for John being sent as an exile to Patmos until I went there. And I'm like, this Beautiful. is just a paradise. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't a paradise in his day. I'm sure it was like a Roman quarry or something or other where they um, worked very, very hard. But if you ever get the chance to go, go and have a holiday on Patmos. Beautiful coastline, crystal clear water, magnificent beach. Not big beaches but just small picturesque beaches, picturesque little villages, um, lots of Australians living there because, you know, it's Greece and lots of Australians live in Greece because lots of Greeks live in Australia and then go to Greece. <laughs> Is that how it works? Yeah. Man. <laughs> you know, you go down to – I went to, 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 to rent a, uh, a motorbike for the day and uh, walk into the motorbike rental and the lady's from Melbourne. Hey. As you would expect. You know, it's the biggest Greek city outside of Greece. I think Melbourne's got more Greeks in it than Athens. Um <laughs> It's it it's it's actually a thing. Wow! It's actually, That's Australians amazing. everywhere. Uh huh. Amazing. Um, and so you feel really, you do feel really at home in Greece when you travel through that whole region of uh, you know the Mediterranean. I think I felt the most at home in Greece because hmm. we have so many Greeks in Australia, yeah. and it just felt natural to be there, mm-hmm. and it was just really nice to be in a. It just felt like I was in a familiar environment. Yeah. You know, most of the time the people on the street, they're talking Greek, but as soon as you speak in English, it's like, oh, how are you, mate, you know? And they just go, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. That is cool. That's the best ever. Mm. That's the best ever. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, I would, I, I'd spend a fortnight on Patmos just chilling in a heartbeat. Nice. You know, no big hotels, just, you know, little small um, mm-hmm. buildings and yeah. Airbnbs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Delightful. Did John have a family? Like, do we know? Did John have a family? This is a good question. Oh, like, I guess it's not super relevant, but I was just curious if he was exiled alone or if he had people or if he didn't have people. I don't I don't have a clue, actually. Peter had a family. Yeah, well, we know that. We know that. Even from the time of Jesus, though. We don't know about John. Yeah. I don't know about John. Maybe you know about John. If you know about John, 
Our number to call is 1-800-324-843. Let us know. Did John have a family? I don't know the answer to this question. Uh, I feel like being exiled anywhere, if you're away from people you care about, that's the worst. Yes. You know, even if it was and, and, the, and, the, and there's no question that he was yeah. away from people that he cared about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, hey, this is where the book of Revelation was written. Yeah. So, you know, it certainly gave him the uh, the peace and the quiet, great environment to sit down and, and, and write an apocalyptic book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and to have, you know, visions of heaven and the new earth and of Jesus Christ himself. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't pick a, uh, a better spot than this. We're sidetracked from our passage. Let's get back into it. Where were we? Um, we're talking about the cost of love, the cost of discipleship, mm. and we're talking about what true love is. And true love is that you are prepared to lay down your life for those around you. Yeah. And you think about the story that we started our radio show with today. You've got a guy who's a multi-billionaire mm. and by the age of 89 he's succeeded in giving, giving it all, all of it away mm. into worthwhile projects. That's pretty amazing. Mm. That is um, really sensational and that sort of shows somebody who has love for other people. Mm. Then we compare that with our lives and we ask ourselves the question, okay, what are we prepared to give up? For others. Mm. And your life is going to be typically at the end of that list, not the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yep, absolutely. And so, you know, got this guy and he's given everything away. That's great. Hasn't given his life, hasn't been called to give his life away. That's mm. a valid point. And maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. We don't know. Yeah. We only know ourselves. Mm. We've got so many possessions that we just absolutely grasp so tightly to ourselves and refuse to give up. Are we even close to being prepared to give our lives? Are we even close to loving the people around us that much we would be prepared to give our lives? It's a challenging thought, isn't it? Mm. You know, you read John and it's like, oh, I love reading John because it's all about love. Yeah. It's, it's not just all fairy floss. Yeah. This is real love in action. Yeah. And I think that's that's something to me that is pointed out too. Like if it, if there's not action, it's not love either. Like that's he, right. he kind of says, you know, let us show the truth by our action. Like it's not Yeah. I believe in this idea of loving people. It's totally connected to action. It's not the Calvinistic uh, view of, well, God has chosen some people to be saved and some people to be lost. Mm, Therefore, why would I sacrifice for people that are lost? Oh, no, it's not that at all. You know, this is the the Augustinian uh, view of how it all works. And, you know, very few Christians of that persuasion would think that way. But nevertheless... That's where the that's the implication, right there. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, let's see, where are we up to in our Bible study? We are up to verse seventeen. You know, this Bible study goes along really well with your news story that you started I with know. today. Positively different news. As I was reading, right I was like, here. "Ooh, good one." All right, verse seventeen. Let's go for it. What do you got? So if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? All right. 
Let me read it from, Let me read it from whoever, see, whoever has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his compassion from him, how does the love of God live in him? Mm. Okay, so, Minnie, here's a question. Um, do we have this world's good, as in you and I? I mean, compared to old mate that started uh, the whole, um, what was it, um, duty-free shopping? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who has a lot of money? Or had, had a lot billions of money? Billions of dollars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, doesn't have any left, but yeah. had billions of dollars. Uh, do we have a lot of this world's good? No, but I'd still argue that we have more than some. All right, so... There's always in, someone who's worse off than you. So the reality is that both you and I are in the top 1% mm-hmm. of the population of the world as far as wealth goes. Absolutely. Even you as a poor student... <laughs> Even yeah. you as a poor student. Mm. That's where we reside, you know, simply because we live in Australia. Yes. You can't live in Australia and be much below the top 1% of the world yeah. as, far as, uh, as far as wealth goes. And so we can look at it and go, yeah, you know what, um, I'm not as wealthy as uh, old mate over there, um, but in this case we are wealthy and we can give. And, and we can help. And, yeah, it's interesting because this is so connected. It's like you can't see someone in need and not respond. Like this versus how I kind of take it. Like mm. someone told me once now, this may be wrong, so if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. But apparently the word compassion basically means like to hurt with someone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not just, oh, I feel sorry for you. It's like, man, I'm, I'm actually suffering for your suffering too. And it's so, so connected. There's this song by, um, is a Christian artist called, I think his name's Josh Wilson. And he has this song that says, do you want to know? And basically the whole premise of the song is like, if you want a heart of sympathy, then pray to God and ask him please um, see, to see the world as Jesus sees. Mm-hmm. But if you want to open up that door, like be careful what you ask him for. Um, something, something, something. And basically it goes on to say, you know, because once you see a world that's in need, um, and he has a few different scenarios. I think it's like, you know, the mother who can't feed, the kids, um, the drunk on the street, the da da da, you know, a few different things. Um, your heart will break and you'll lay awake and sleep won't come quick anymore. So do you really want to know? And I just remember listening to this song, I was like, oh, because it's easy to be like, yes, God, show me, but that might, might hurt us. To suffer with someone else, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, because yes. that's when we move. We yes. act when it affects us. When mm. our when our hearts are touched, we're like, oh, "This isn't okay. We need to do something." It's quite easy to be apathetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, but we don't we don't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go down to verse eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Many, what's it all about right here? What's, what's, what's the message that uh, John is bringing to us? Don't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it. No. Actually do it. Yeah. People don't want to hear Christians as much as they want to see Christians. Mm-hmm. The most powerful testimony you can give is the testimony that people can see. Absolutely. As opposed to the testimony that you say. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's show a difference in the way we live our lives and let's live a very different kind of life uh, so that people can see a better life. Have you ever had situations where you're really challenged by this? Like you've been in a situation where you're like, I don't want to do this, but I do want to love them. Does that make sense? Oh, very much so. You have, <laughs> you have no idea. My humanity comes to the fore and I tend to, 
I tend to be a bit of an uncompassionate person. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a number of different reasons for that. You know, looking at where I came from and so forth. And so it's an area in which God has to work on my heart. Mm. There's, there's no question about this. That um, and, and as I read these verses right here, for me, this is a very confronting Bible study. Mm. For me personally. Because I can be cold-hearted at times. And I don't like that about myself. Uh, this is something that God has been working on with me for a long time and he will continue to God work on. God is patient, man. God is God patient. patient. God is patient. Uh, but these verses here are a reality check. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they bring us back to reality and say, Lyle, you know, do you have more compassion for, say, animals than you do for people? And sometimes we can fall into that trap. Fully. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Truth is very, very valuable. Mm. And for somebody like myself who loves public evangelism and so forth, truth is incredibly valuable. That's what we're all about. We, 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 we love to stand up and present truth. Mm. <laughs> the Bible says he, this is how you know you're in the truth. If you love each other. And this is what's amazing. If the truth changes you, if the truth affects you. Yes, it's an experience, not just a knowledge in your head. That's right. Which makes sense because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means truth is partly relational. That doesn't mean it's not objective, like the love of God, who God is. That is a very absolute truth. Uh, No question. But it's not just a theoretical truth and understanding. Mm. It's an experience. Oh, that's so good. Ah, there's some great passages here. We could just uh, we could just work our way through the whole of First John, I think. I love First uh, John, and, and it's interesting. Is it's, it's where it says, "And shall assure our hearts before Him." Mm. I wonder what it, you know. That's an interesting statement right there, because we often talk about assurance as Christians. Yeah. You know, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Okay, how do I know Jesus is mine? Well, I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. Well, what if I uh, get up in the morning, commit my life to Jesus Christ, and then go and treat people like dirt all day long? Mm. Hmm. You know, we lose our assurance because we've rejected Jesus Christ to do that. How? Yeah, so you go. And so the the external evidence Mm. of our assurance is the way we treat other people. How do you take verse 20? My version says, if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and knows everything. Is that saying if we feel like we haven't loved people, God knows that we've tried to? Like what is that actually? When you read that, how do you take that? For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I see that as being a little bit like one of those situations where you feel guilty for something that you should not feel guilty for and God knows your heart. He knows that you have done things the right way with the right conscience even though it may not have turned out the way that you planned. Your heart was in the right place. Mm. Yeah, I think we all have those kind of experiences from time to time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, it is now time for, for, where does it come? There it is. Question of the day. 
Sorry, I missed the button. <laughs> and, and he missed doing his little dig as well. <laughs> Life is just not right. What is going on that in the studio? The first thing I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 <It's> like, <laughs> All right. So I just need to say this. Just no, you don't. I do. No, I do. you don't. I do. <laughs> you don't need to say this. So Liam just has a little, not a full dance, but he just like enjoys a little jingle. I just witnessed Lyle. I've I've never seen you like dance. Well, or Liam like had this blank musical. look on his face because the jingle wasn't playing, and he was clicking the button, and what nothing was happening. And then when it did happen, and then he didn't do the jingle, I'm like, "This isn't right. This can't be. This this just you know, it's not it's not question of the day without Liam doing his thing." I'm not mocking you. That was amazing. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, to your time. So the question of the day is. What are we to make of 1 Corinthians 14 where it says women should remain silent in the church? Yes. What do we make of it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The problem is, of course, if you go to uh, any of your local churches around here, you're going to find that women are not silent in church and are they disobeying what the Bible says when Paul says this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a principle. We have looked at this before. We're going to look at it again. It's an important one. It does come up from time to time. Uh, the principle that goes through the Bible is this. When you find a passage like this where the Bible says something that sounds a little bit odd, that should immediately prick your you to look for some context. Mm-hmm. When you then find another passage in the Bible where the opposite is indicated, then you are going to immediately know this is not a moral um, uh, requirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so context is going to become valuable. So to understand the context, first of all, we're going to look at the Jewish system because Paul was not a, 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 an apostle to the Jews. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And we're going to compare the two different cultures. And so you had the Jewish culture and they had the Greek culture. Within the Jewish culture, women were educated. Ma- ma- mother, Jesus' mother, who was Mary, was a peasant girl. And she educated Jesus. That's how it worked in those days. And so even a peasant girl in Israel was literate. Whereas you go outside of Israel, not even kings were literate. Mm. You know, you had scribes for that. Um, And those who were literate, you know, the businessmen would be men. And so you had a very, you know, women were second-class citizens. Uh, They were, you know, therefore... Raising children, sexual gratification, that kind of stuff. That was the, the place of women in society. They kind of basically had no rights. They were certainly, you know, not educated. It was actually a policy not to educate women because it would be seen that they would be a danger hmm. if they were educated, a danger to the male patriarchy. And so this was the contrast that you had between Jewish culture and Greek culture of the first century. Now, some of that Greek culture did leak across into Jewish culture on occasions, um, but for the most part, this was this was the centre of the contrast. Now, the other thing that uh, was interesting in Jewish culture was that church came in two levels. And so level one, which is the equivalent of our church today, was the synagogue, a place of teaching. That's where you'd go to read and study the Bible. Mm. Uh, that was the equivalent of our modern-day church. But they had a level above that, that we don't have, and that was the temple. And the temple was actually holy ground. The, the, the synagogue was not actual holy ground. The temple was actual holy ground. And so the standard of everything in the temple was infinitely higher mm. than the standard was in the synagogue. 
Now, when you look at the uh, example of Scripture, you've got, uh, let's see, you have, um, and I've got oh, Anna, Anna the prophetess. Yes. In the temple, at a worship service in the temple, at the dedication of Jesus, publicly speaking. Mm. And so clearly it is not morally wrong for a woman to speak in a worship service. Yeah. That's not morally wrong. And so then you've got to look at uh, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and go, okay, what's going on here? Why is it that Paul is telling the women to be in silence? Part of the problem that you had in the Corinthian church was when they had a worship service, it was bedlam. Yeah, okay. You read the whole chapter, it was bedlam. And his big theme through the chapter is let everything be done decently in order. Because the women were illiterate and unable to read the Scriptures, you had this problem where they'd be constantly asking questions of their husbands. So you'd have all of these questions, you know, moving backwards and forwards between husbands. And you'd have, so you'd have this low rumble taking place in the church when they're trying to have a worship service. And Paul's like, look, let's not have this. Let's do everything decently in order. If you've missed something during the service, get your husband to explain it to you after the service is over. Get him to, you know, break out his copy of the, of the scriptures or the, or the one that belongs in the church, you know, because there probably wasn't that many copies and read it through it for you and give you a wider explanation of it rather than elbowing your husband halfway through and asking a bunch of questions. Mm. This was the problem that they had in the church at Corinth. Everybody was talking at once. Makes it That's hard the to issue. Really and when point. everybody's talking at once, he's like, okay, don't be talking in tongues without having an interpreter. There's no point in that. Don't be all talking in tongues at once. Don't be all talking at once. And women just, you know, hold off until the service is over with the questions you've got. We, we get the fact that it's more challenging when you're not literate, but let's just listen to the sermon in peace mm. and then get back to. Uh, and get back to it later. And so the issue is there is no moral requirement that women stay silent in church whatsoever at all. Um, there is a moral requirement that church is a place where things are done decently and in order. There is a principle that is being outlined here rather than a specific. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.